Holy Gospel from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, reading verses 22 to 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. God's grace, his peace, his mercy, his love, all the gifts that our God offers to us through Jesus Christ be yours this day. Remain with you always. Amen. We know the story well, that Christmas story. But consider for a moment, back all the way to that first century when the people of God moved out to share the gospel. How would you tell that Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, to those who were hearing it for the very first time? That second reading this morning from Galatians, is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing as that first century Christian missionary. Here in Galatians 4, he is sharing not the events of Christ's coming, 
but he really is sharing with us a much wider scope of what it means that God has come through his son, Jesus Christ. And he does so rather poetically. So when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. When the fullness of time had come. Now, I'm not sure I could exactly explain the full context of what those words might have meant. But in them, Paul paints for us a nice picture. A nice picture for us to grab a hold of. A nice picture for us to consider the fullness of time. That phrase reminds me of pouring water into a glass. As you pour the water, the glass begins to fill up fuller and fuller until it is up there at the lid. You might bend down or hold the glass up just to eyeball it a little bit. Oh, I can get another drop in there. I can get a little bit more in there. And so maybe you try that just to make sure that glass is full until one drop too many and it begins to run outside the glass and pour over the side. Well, we have certainly arrived at the fullness of 2023. We still have a few hours yet in this year. Maybe minutes, not too far away. But we are quickly approaching that time when the fullness of 2020 will arrive for all of us. And then there will be no more room, even for minutes, before a new year dawns on us. A new year, we tend to call it. Not just another year, not just the year that follows 2023, but most of us tend to identify it as a new year. We get to start that which is new. New days and new weeks and new months new events, new occurrences for us, new learnings, new wonders. But every time I come to the end of one year and the start of another year, I usually always wonder, am I supposed to be looking forward or am I supposed to be looking backwards? Yes, when there's something new in front of us, it's always something, most often something, that we look forward to. But it seems a shame not to look backwards also, not to look backwards on what has occurred. Are there lessons for me as I look backwards? Are there places I should celebrate, accomplishments that have been done in my life, goals that I attained, that I had set for myself. When we gather as God's people, though, it might be a little more helpful for us, rather than just looking forward or looking backwards, to do what we usually do. For when we gather as the people of God, as we do when we worship with one another, whatever the day may be, we look upward. 
we look upward to our Heavenly Father. Or as the psalmist rather poetically says for us, we look up to the hills. For where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We look upward, says the psalmist. And as we look upward, we confess that he is the maker of heaven and earth. As we look upward, we look towards the one who is the keeper of heaven and earth, the keeper of this day, the keeper of tomorrow, whether it's this one year or it's a new year. It is he who keeps heaven and earth and every day for us. The celebration that we just finished, the one we call Christmas, and it's the one we continue to remember through the 12 days of Christmas that take us all the way to Epiphany, this celebration of Jesus' birth reminds us that the Lord who lives and reigns in heaven above came down to earth. So it's not just an upward look as we worship the Lord. It's also a downward look because our God comes here down from heaven to earth. He comes down to live where we live and, yes, to die where we die. As we look upward to him, he acts on our behalf and comes down. Comes down at Christmas to live among us, to live in us also by his spirit for, to all those who would trust and believe in him. Our God is faithful. He sends forth his son in the fullness of time, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. God is faithful. Even the angels, recognizing that faithfulness, sing glory to God in the highest as heaven responds to God's coming to us. And earth also responds. We've gone with the shepherds to see this thing that has been made known to us. Magi view God's birth announcement in the heavens above, and they follow the special star. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? So that when the Magi come to that place where he is, they bow down and they worship him and they offer to him those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. King Herod also responds to that birth announcement of Jesus coming down to earth. Yes, as we remember the story, it's a very negative one. But it's also a story to remind us that into the world where God chooses now to live, there is death, there is destruction. And that's precisely why we need him to come. That's why we need the Savior. That's precisely why Jesus does come to us. That through the trust and the faith that his spirit places in our lives and in our hearts, we might be lifted up. Lifted up from sin. Lifted up from death. Lifted heavenward to be with our heavenly Father in that place where he dwells. We too will dwell 
and we will dwell with him for all eternity. Forward and backward, upward, downward. The Bible stories of Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel share with us those Christmas stories that help us to understand what it is that God is doing for us through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. A son who has been sent forth, born of a woman, born under the law. But Luke chapter 2, so familiar to us that in those days there went out a decree. Luke chapter 2 contains two more stories for us. One is a Christmas story. And one is a story from Jesus' boyhood. Both of these stories center around the temple, the temple in Jerusalem. First 20 verses of Luke chapter 2, we have the account that we just read again and heard again. The birth of Jesus in the manger at Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 40, we are told, as we heard in today's gospel lesson of Jesus' presentation in the temple. This occurs when Jesus is several weeks old. And then the last story, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Jesus returns once again with his parents, and this time he is 12 years old. But again, we find him in the temple, old and new as we consider that first story today from Luke 2, chapter, or verses 21 to 40. Mary and Joseph come and present Jesus in the temple. And when they do so, they encounter two persons. We know these two persons as Simeon and Anna. Anna is clearly labeled, whether she likes it or not, very old. We assume that Simeon also is old because he had received the promise that he would not see death. He would not pass away until he had seen the Lord's Christ. So that when Mary and Joseph present Jesus in the temple, Simeon takes up this infant Jesus in his arms and he declares, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now Dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Those words form for us what we have called for years the nunc dimittis. Words that come to us from the Latin Bible, the Vulgate, the first words of Simeon's song, Nunc dimittis, in Latin, you now dismiss. We are reminded in this story, in the wholeness of the story, we are reminded of old and new. There are these two senior saints, Simeon and Anna, the old generation, and there is an infant Jesus, the old and the new, and Jesus comes for all. We always have an old generation and a new generation with us, don't we? The old is no better than the new just because it has lived longer. And the new is no better than the old just because it is new. Jesus comes to connect 
all generations to him, whether old or new. And Jesus comes to connect all generations to one another. When we gather as a Christian community, when we gather as church, as congregation, there are always several generations in our midst. That was probably true as you recently gathered together with family to celebrate Christmas. There were several generations present when you did that. The ways of one generation are not necessarily better than the ways of another generation. Jesus comes for every generation because every generation needs Jesus. Every one needs a Savior. The sins of the old and the sins of the new both need forgiving. And forgiveness is especially why Jesus arrives in our world. The sins of the past year need God's forgiveness, as will the sins of the new year as we are called to come before the Lord our God in repentance and in faith. The year may be new, but our behaviors most often are the same old behaviors that we did in 2023. The same shortcomings, the same wrongs, the same resolutions, the same goals that we wanted to of which we fall short. We need God's forgiveness poured out upon us through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus and his family arrive here with a very specific purpose to accomplish at the temple. They are there to complete the necessary sacrifices that are prescribed in the law of Moses. Because as Paul tells us, Jesus is born under the law. We live as Jesus did, under the law. In fact, we live our entire lives under the law. You or I, even in death, have to follow the laws of a community before we can be laid to rest in the ground. So that in the temple, Mary and Joseph present Jesus and then they make the old sacrifice. The sacrifice that redeems back from the Lord the firstborn that has come into the family. But the one redeemed back through this old sacrifice as the firstborn is the new Savior. He comes to save his people from their sin. He arrives as our rescuer. He arrives as our new redeemer. He arrives as our new Savior. There is no other. There is no other Savior from sin. There is no other Savior from death. There is no other Savior from the devil and the, the bonds the chains that hold us in our old nature, that power of guilt, that power of fear, sometimes that power of unbelief, all under the law. And Jesus comes under that same law. Mary and Joseph are fulfilling a sacrifice under the old law. The law, whether it be applied to Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the temple, whether it be applied 2,000 plus years down the road to our own lives, 
The law most often reminds us that we have fallen short. As we confess, we have fallen short of loving our Lord God with all of our hearts, with all of our lives. We've fallen short of loving our neighbors as God would have us love our neighbor. An old year, a new year. The same law reminds us of the same thing. It finds us guilty. And the cross of Christ declares for us, whether old year or new year, the very same thing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As again and again we are invited, and as again and again we must come and stand beneath that cross, and for the sake of Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness, so also again and again and again. Our gracious Heavenly Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, forgives us. Old law, old sacrifice, but thanks be to God, we have a new Savior, and his name is Jesus. He keeps the law perfectly because we cannot. And he dies for us just for that very reason that we who live under the law need one to redeem us from under that law. My eyes have seen your salvation. <laughs> My prayer would be for all of us that again this year, as we have celebrated the birth of Christ, that our eyes have seen his salvation. As we move from an old year into a new year, may we continue to see that gift that our God has provided us. To see that God is present in our lives today and that the year may be new as the day is new tomorrow. So our God is present for us in that day also. For he comes, as Simeon says, as a light to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. In Jesus Christ, God fulfills all of the promises that the Heavenly Father has made. All the way from Genesis to Abraham, through Moses and Ruth and David, from Solomon and Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and all of the prophets, all the way to Malachi. Through them all, God fulfills the words that he has spoken, the promises that he has made. Gathered under that old covenant, God is faithful. Faithful in promising to God's people, old and new, a new covenant. So that's who we are. We are gathered by his spirit as the new people of God. Gathered by faith as a new Israel. For in Jesus Christ, God has faithfully kept all of his promises to his people from the beginning. Simeon had received that promise he would not die until he sees the Lord's Christ. He sees in this infant the Lord's Christ. So that whether Gentile or Jew, whether European or African, whether one of the new 8 million persons that are to be counted as Americans this year, or whether one of the 330 plus million that began 2023 as Americans, 
Jesus Christ arise as the Savior of all persons. For we all belong to Adam's family, and we all need the very same gift that God sends forth as he sends forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. In Christ, the old has passed away, and the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, reminds us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Martin Luther would remind us of that very same thing at the end of his section on baptism. This is how God has made us new. And we need to remember that every day we are his new baptized sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. For there is an old Adam. There is an old nature that would continue to rise up in us. But we are his. We are not under the power and authority and the bondage of that old nature. For in Christ, we are a new creation baptized in his name. As Isaiah, today's reading, reminds us, our God's given to us a new name. We are called his, the children of our heavenly father. So that whether it's a new day or a new year, whether it's a new month, we have been made new sons and daughters of our gracious God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a new heart. Creates in me a new heart, says David in Psalm 51. And through the Jesus who comes in the manger and through the Jesus who is risen on Easter morning, we by faith have a new spirit a new heart, a new life, filled with Christ, filled with Christ's love, filled with his mercy, filled with his kindness, filled with his mercy, filled with his peace to share with one another as the people of God, whether within our community of faith or with the community that is around us. A new heart in order to live a new life as we walk by faith, as the children of God, into a world that needs light. We do that guided by his word. You may or may not make New Year's resolutions. Mine tend to be the same year. I should just write them down and just save that piece of paper to take out every year because they're usually all pretty close to being about the same. But I think there's really only one resolution that any of us need to make. There's really only one resolution that I would need to make as a child of God for the new year 2024 to resolve to spend more time in God's Word. Because when I do that and God's Spirit grows in me, the newness of Christ's life grows in me also. The more I spend in His Word, the closer God draws to me as I draw closer to Him can witness that in your life individually and personally. We can witness that together as God's church in the new life that he gives to us, moving closer together to one another in the ministry that he has given us. As Simeon said, our eyes have seen God's salvation. 
Hannah lifts up her voice, it says, and gives thanks to God. He has come, and he continues to come to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Whether I be old and you be young, whether we all be old or whether we all be young, whether this is a new day or a new year, or we're repeating that which is old, our God is present, present with us, and that's why we call him Emmanuel. May the blessings of that God who is present with us as Emmanuel go with you this day, but especially grant to you a blessed new year. And in Christ's most precious name we pray, amen.